This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blah! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Welcome to a special edition of the Sea Hawkers Podcast. I'm Clinton Bonner. We are fired up to bring this to you, the conference championship games. Well, they just ended. We got the group in. We're going to be talking about that today, the implications for our Seahawks, and has anything changed in our minds as we got one extra week to watch both Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald do their thing. They both crash and burn. Kay lost him up. Screw the Niners and everything else. We'll talk a little bit about that. With that, though, Adam, uh, we'll talk about the game. So hold all that off. How are you doing, bud, as we do get ready for uh, a 49ers Super Bowl? Gross. Yeah, well, it could have been worse. I mean, it could have been, well, no, it can't really be worse. 49ers <laughs> on the Super Bowl. You're right. I, I was trying to find a silver lining there. Actually, it could have been worse. The Niners could look like a juggernaut going into the Super Bowl, and they don't. So that's kind of yeah. nice. Uh, but yeah, just out here, man, sweltering in the 50-degree heat in the uh, end of January in Montana. The You know, it's all going to be on fire in about three months. So enjoy this now because I'm going to be gone as a fire refugee later. Hopefully that doesn't happen to the one and only Mr. Phil Lydic, who's also joined us uh, today. How's your day been, buddy? Well, um, it's a sad day that we have two red teams in the Super Bowl. That's a bummer. It could be worse. I could have had the same thing happen that apparently happened to Clinton, where the games were so bad he had to shave his beard. So at least I still have my beard. I'm glad about that. But uh, other than that, as far as football goes, tough. It's always easy to cheer against the 49ers, no matter what's on the other side. But I was hoping to cheer for something that I actually liked instead of uh, a team I've hated my whole life. So uh, team I've hated my whole life versus the team that I hate the most. I guess I'm going to go with the team I hate the most, but uh, I'll, I'll watch football either way. The sports hate runneth high this this week for uh, these two weeks for us Seahawks fans. And I wish I had a cool story about my beard. Like, you know, I lost a bet and it was kind of cool. Nope. Put the beer clipping on the gauge. Go to do it. The clipping thing comes off. Like a little thing here. I'm like, well, there's that. And then this is just kind of like the no the no guard takedown. Nice part is uh, I'm hairy. It'll grow back quickly. So by by Wednesday or Thursday later this week, it'll look a bit more full again. So you Lamar'd your beard. I Lamar, yeah, yeah. I Lamar'd my beard. All right, I I, I misfired, and, uh, and and again, we will get into that game. But boy, oh boy, was that a a misfiring of kind of epic proportions from that offensive game plan. Before we do get to that, though, want to remind folks: Hey, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe, hit the like, hit the bell. This way, when we do go live, which will be more this off season, you do get notified. YouTube.com/slash Seahawkers Podcast, of course. All audio platforms, wherever you got ears, subscribe there. And either way you like to consume it, it's all good. And if you are really enjoying the content, 
getintheflock.com. You could support the show. And if you do so, you could join us in cool places like the Discord or the Facebook Ring of Honor. All right, so cool places there. I'll start with you, Mr. Phil. Back to you. Cool places, Baltimore, that whole pier area down, down in uh, Phelps Point, Baltimore. It's cool. The location of that stadium, it's cool. Ravens fans, pretty cool. Their offensive game plan, I don't think that was pretty cool, Phil. What, what do you think? Foolish. Foolish. The number one running team in the National Football League, and their running backs barely got a chance to carry the ball. I, I cannot fathom that game plan absolutely fireable offense for how they handled that particular game. I don't know if Lamar was set out to prove that he could Patrick Mahomes his way to a win and try to decide to be somebody he wasn't, checked into pass plays. I cannot come up with a good explanation as to that game plan. Eight, eight rushing plays besides Lamar's eight rushing attempts. Adam, eight times running the ball. Is is this it? Is that it? Or is there more than meets the eye with uh, why the Ravens are not in the Super Bowl? We got to admit that the Chiefs' defense is damn good. Like that—that's one of the things that we you need to take away from this as well. No, uh, that's Spag- right. Spagnola yeah. had a really nice game plan, and he may have baited them into not running the ball quite as much as I think all of us think that they ought to have. Um, you mentioned the eight rushing attempts from Lamar. How many of those were scrambles, right? Like yeah, the design called runs, and they needed more of that. I don't understand how you have Lamar Jackson and you're not RPOing the crap out of every single team that you come across in the playoffs. What are, why are we saving Lamar Jackson at that point? Like, yeah. let it let it rip. Now, as far as Lamar trying to prove he can be a, a different player than he is, I think he's moved past that. This felt more game planning. Uh, it didn't seem like he was audibling out of a bunch of runs. It just yeah. seemed like Monken didn't call it. So it was uh, it was tough, tougher. The Ravens. I'm not sad. I've never liked the Ravens. It didn't hurt my feelings at all. You know, what I was worried that the Ravens might not win. It was very early in the game. Lamar could have ran to where it was close to like two away, and he did a slide. And I said, okay. If we're saving Lamar in the championship game, they're not playing offense right against this really good Chiefs defense. And then throughout, there was a number of times where I thought Lamar could have easily had a first down and he tried to throw wild passes. I'm like, are we trying to keep him safe as if the going to the Super Bowl is a given? I, I was baffled, befuddled, and just <laughs> corn-fused as to what they were thinking. <laughs> I was uh, watching the game with a, a friend of mine who's a big Bills fan, and on that play, uh, the, I believe the one you're mentioning, Phil, the slide one, he's like, he's like, man, it's like Allen would have trucked that guy and or went over him and like made him a jockstrap, like going, going over the top of him. And, uh, and he was a very frustrated Bills fan watching that because he's just sitting there being like, Man, we're better than this team, you know, because because they they really did hang with the Chiefs and had them on the ropes for for quite a bit. So he was frustrated watching that too. And of course, then you get the you get the Cam uh, Chancellor like esque or Earl Thomas esque karate chop at the at the goal line, punching it out on on uh, Zay Flowers there, right? Yeah, with with Sneed, that was a beautiful play at the half yard line. So of course, it is a game of inches. Uh, enough about those Baltimore Ravens. We all well, do. Hey. Let's talk yeah, about one more thing because I, Wait, you know, I okay, hear people yeah. every time this happens. I hear people upset and complaining about the fumble it out the end zone rule I love and that how rule. it's so unfair and blah. Well, it's a good rule. I love it. 
I think it's a fantastic rule. It, it ups the ante yeah. of how important it is in the red zone to have ball security. And yeah. look, man, it's the way the ball bounces. I mean, I'm sure the Seahawks in the next 20 years will fall victim to that rule at some point. It happens. But I like the rule. And that was a huge play in the game. It really did. There's no other good call. There's no other way to rule that that would cause us to continue to value the end zone, protect the ball, and give the defense a big shot in that moment. It's like the center fielder getting to rob the the home run. It's a love it. And if you change it, there's no way to change it that would make things right or fair. I, I can you guys think of any way to change that rule that would make any kind of sense? Uh, I've heard people say like, you know, the, the offense possesses it still, but you move them back. Like they get a penalty, they get penalized. You know, it's like, well, did you admit you're admitting that it was, it, that it was bad. So that's the rule. It's not. No, it's offense possesses it. Then everybody's going to be stretching the ball out there. Caddy Wampus with no <laughs> consideration for how much the football matters when you're close to the end zone. Look, you can't make that rule. It, it's absolutely improper and unfair to the defense. I and love that's the, the thing. I love it. Is that in the last, what? 10, 15 years, all the rules have skewed in favor of the offense. Can the defense have one place? Yeah, save this like, one I, thing, I, right? Like, yeah. Save Can this we just one have thing, one nice so. thing on uh, defense? It, we are, yeah. we're, we're three, three, three out of three on that one. So that, that okay. is passed. That is, that is a ding, uh, ding, unanimous, ding. yes. Unanimous pass. All right. Now on to that Detroit debacle seven up 17. And then there's lots of blame to go around. So we'll talk about that before we get, we will talk coordinators and spend most of the time on that, of course, because they might be our coaches or one of them might be our coach by the end of this week. Now, blame is going around and around the horde, right? The sports radio horn is on fire. At, and it's like, well, should have kicked this one that that field goal. I understand, but that one, you got to kick. And this one, you can't change a tiger stripe. So let Dan Campbell do his thing the entire time. So Phil, you had to squarely put it on somebody's shoulders. Somebody's players. shoulders. Players. Okay, so it's you're I'm saying not it's not, it not the coaches. call. So you're saying they got to catch the ball is what you're saying. DB's got to catch the ball when it hits them in the face mask. Receivers have to catch fourth down plays that touch their hands. Goff maybe should throw it a little bit better, but there is no reason to not catch passes that touch your hands that are that lightly tossed on fourth down. Players got to make plays. If I'm the coach, if I'm Campbell, I call that fourth down play and I went for it and my my receiver all by himself, it hits his hands. I'm thinking, I made the right call. My player gets paid enough and I expect him and I counted him to make that catch. Yeah, so you had Reynolds dropping two crucial ones. You had yeah. Jamison Williams dropping the flea flicker in the oh. end zone, which didn't get a lot of shine because it was kind of eclipsed by the other ones. Uh, you had Laporta dropping a, a tightly contested one. Amon Ra, another tightly contested one over the middle. But the egregious ones in my book were the two Reynolds ones and the touchdown at the goal line to Williams, which, again, is kind of forgotten. I understand that take. I might have a different one, but Adam, where do you lay the blame? Is it on the coach? Is it on the players? If you had to pick one. Let's start where the blame isn't. The blame's not on Jared Goff. I mean, no, he, he did good. everything within his power as a quarterback to lead that team to victory. And I don't think it's on Dan Campbell either. Whether you go for it on fourth in those situations, which when they came up, I was inclined to kick a field goal. That that would have been yeah. my preference. Now, with that said, they're both the right decision. It's all a matter of whether or not it works out in the end or not. Like we, you don't know until you do it. In it, they weren't egregious calls to go for it. Like that's what yeah. they've been doing. 
you go with the girl that you brought to the dance, right? Like that's what that's what you do. I don't know if that's exactly how the phrase goes, but I'm making it up that's as I go. Like, it, that's that's right. You you dance with the girl you brought to the yeah, you dance with the girl, right? That's it. It's one of those yeah. things. You dance, yeah, you with, dance the with the girl you brought. And you know, you you roll. It's not on Ben Johnson, right? The calls well, that Ben no. Johnson made to get there, they worked. Right. This it's is not on Ben yeah. Johnson, and I it will, and we'll get we'll get into the coordinators uh, part of it certainly in, in a little bit. But no, I don't think so because you know the, Ben Johnson didn't make Gibbs put the ball on the ground, right? And Ben Johnson did not drop those passes. He schemed dudes open. So yep, no, I don't right. I don't think so at all. My biggest piece of Quinn though, man, is the 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 field goal when they're up fourteen to make it a make it a three point uh, three score game again. That one. I, I get all the stripes and I get all that, but if you're going to do that, then how about the end of the half? The end of the half, you're at the two-yard line, but you decide to kick one then to go up 17. It's now uh, you know, 10 minutes later, 10 minutes eclipsed, and you have a chance to you have a chance to bring it right back to where you were at halftime, but with 10 more minutes off the clock, you passed on that. That to me is, I can't square that logic because if you sure. said, hey, we come out of the half. It's ten minutes to go. You know, ten minutes have eclipsed, and no one scored. If you're the Lions, you say, "Where do I sign?" Ten minutes are gone, right? So uh, to me, there was that was the, the more egregious uh, of the calls. So with I'll that, give you your nits on that one. I slightly agree with you after the fact, or even in the moment on that one. I just think if the players make the plays, oh, they're in the Super Bowl. They're in the Super Bowl right now. If they make uh, the plays, yeah. they should have made. Yeah, well, and and or uh, interception bouncing off a dude's friggin' face mask, right? To go for a fifty yarder downfield. So, like, as <laughs> you, you did mention it, but that was yeah, another pretty turdy, and uh, he played a pretty good second half. I will say that about about Purdy. he was almost competent. He was almost he, competent in the second half. He was good with his legs. He was good with his legs. He was good with his legs. He made picks in the second half. The dude is terrible in big moments. The dude is terrible in big moments. I am so sick and tired of watching this dude trot out on the field and throw three Pop balls ups. a game that are legit yeah. interceptions and gets away with it on the regular. And this time he turned a one pick into a 51 yard completion. Yeah. This cannot happen sustainably. It can't. It oh, can't. But yeah. when you talk about the fourth down calls, Clinton, like, Brandon had texted me that a lot of the analytics guys are kind of going to the mat on this one. Like, no, you got to go for it there. And it's a big deal and, and all that stuff. But for me personally, the analytics don't seem to take into account momentum. They don't yes. take into account on the road, uh, the, the flow the, the of the, the game, crowd noise, right? Yeah. And they don't seem to take into account how many scores that you're up. Not like, I'm sure it's in the algorithm or whatever, but three scores is a huge deal. Three scores. That's a huge deal. And for example, Niners go down, they kick a field goal on their opening drive in the second half. Okay, fine. That you got a little thing going there. Cool. Kick the field goal when the Detroit Lions drive it down. And now you've answered. You're back yeah. up three scores, and you don't allow what now has become a turnover because that's what it is when you don't convert it's a turnover the crowd gets juiced the players get juiced hey man we just walked down and we knocked it back down to two scores we just turned them over down on our end of the field here we go again and all of a sudden especially when you're on the road yes that really can snowball on you when you're a young team without a lot of playoff experience so that's where i think the mistake was in terms of not kicking field goals there was just the idea of the momentum of the thing. And once he felt it snowball, it was over. Yeah. I, I and agree. Not, and what's to blame Clinton. You asked me what's to blame. Yes. 49ers never ending luck. 
40 they have horseshoes up all their butts and they like are un unbelievable man like that is now two playoff games they did not deserve to win that they won yeah and, and it is it is what uh, unfortunately does good teams do find ways because i look back at our 2014 nfc championship game it's like did the seahawks deserve to beat the packers that day no we did not not yeah. with four not with four interceptions there was some luck. Just, oh there's a ton of luck you know onside kick the whole thing right so we had we had been the ben the benefactor of luck in, in certain uh, in a certain times well not, niners are catching it right now i'm hopeful it runs out in two weeks i would just make a clear point here with all the talk today the Niners coaching staff did not out coach the Lions. They had more luck. Purdy did not outplay Goff. The difference, if we're going to say players, beside from the luck, the skill position players for the Niners outplayed the Lions at every single slot, in spite of the fact that the Lions had a phenomenal offensive line that was playing good. Amon Ross St. Brown, he played good. You know who played better? Debo. Reynolds, he choked. You know who played good? And was clutch Ayuk, the running backs of the Lions, Johnson, with yeah. all the excitement that they are. Hey, CMC outplayed them. That uh, we have uh, the tight end with the yeah, really that, fun name, um, Laporta. La, La Laporta. La Porta. He had some good plays, but Kittle had the bigger ones. So yeah. all those things can elevate Purdy. They can elevate Kyle because, in reality, when it came down to big boy moments, Debo was the best guy on the field. And when CMC had his chance, he was dominating as well. And the last person to blame here, Clinton, is me. This is my fault. I know Carly and our ring of honor wanted to take the blame because she was talking yeah. about Lions Chiefs Super Bowls well, at halftime. Well, but I have to admit, at halftime, I was walking around the house. I was, you know, heating up some food, and I was like, I "Wonder what Kyle's excuses are going to be this year." Oh no! Like yeah, that, yeah. that thought went through my head. I allowed myself to think it, and then yeah. this happened. So ultimately, it feels like a me problem. It, it may be, and, and now we've we've all suffered for that. But I appreciate you. Uh, you know, you stand there and taking taking the bullets on that one. So, all right, that's that's the conference recap there. As we turn it over to the to the offensive and defensive coordinators on the two teams, there, Ben Johnson, Mike McDonald. The one. Let's start. Let's start with Ben Johnson since, since we're on that on that thing already. This is the smell of a warm three day old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Blech. And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Happy, happy, happy! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. One thing I thought he could have done better, in my, in my estimation, was... The you got two different types of backs there, and you know, and Jameer Gibbs puts the uh, unfortunately puts the ball on the ground, and that stinks. I just thought M Montgomery was also the way he was running, and then to see his second half in, in volume, it's like, dude, that's the dude who's got to get the ball. You know, I I know you've got Jameer, I know he's talented, I totally get it, but Montgomery is is that other type of back, and he was getting big demoralizing chunk plays. And he really wasn't nearly involved enough in the second half and something like that. I'm like, Ooh, I do put that. I do put that on Ben Johnson a little bit. And, and I, I realized some of it just didn't go their way. It didn't have the yeah. amount of the amount of plays they wanted just a few plays, but, but man, but, but hammer Montgomery and put the game away and, and they, they failed to do that. So I'll start there, Adam. 
Did you learn anything new about Ben Johnson in this game that you maybe didn't already know? I think what I've been learning about Ben Johnson through the playoffs is that when the moments get big, he doesn't shut it down and turtle up. The Lions did have nice drives in the second half to put him in position to have those fourth down opportunities or to have kicked a field goal, however you wanted to go about it. That is something that has been kind of eye-opening to me. The other thing is, is that he's now beating the Rams in the playoffs and did everything within his power as a coach to beat the Niners in the yeah. playoffs. I sure do like that. That that puts him up a little higher on the coaching candidacy for me personally, anyways. I like that. That's, that's a, it's a good take. All right. So Phil, any, any new gleanings since we got this extra week of watching, watching Ben Johnson, anything new come to mind while you, while you were watching yesterday or thought about it today? I liked him. I, there's things that I don't know and can't know to decide if he's the guy or not, but I, I mean, 182 yards on the ground against the Niners. I like that. I like the way they ran against the Rams. i I my questions are his O line, especially in the middle, just looks mm. so dominant. I wonder how difficult it is to call offense when your O line is just crushing it like that. And then I, I just I won't blame him for this loss. I can't blame him. Yeah. When the calls were made, I feel like he gave his players the chance to win the game. They could have won with the plays that he called, but I did like him. I won't know what kind of staff he can put together. I don't know what kind of leader of men he really is. I like how he handles himself in press conference. His play designs, again, they look great. What that means with a different offensive line, just tough to tell. Yeah, I can't ding him for that. Because yeah. it's like, okay, I'm going to transport him over to the Seahawks with this current line. No, that's not the reality either, right? We have we have an offseason to, to go and improve that. With that, though, there was the piece of me saying, like, is this mainly because they have a good offensive line? And, and, they, and they do have skilled people. Although, you know, some of them fell a little short on Sunday. They do, have a, they do have talent for sure on that offense, which is fine. We have a talented offense as well. So it was just for me like, oh, man, would the delta in that drop just be too – radical and like all his all, all all the specialness that seems to be like his scheme just kind of go away because Gino just doesn't have time and I guess it doesn't that and for me it's like does it matter if we don't fix the offensive line does it matter what offensive coordinator we have if we can't fix the problem right how much does the play caller help the offensive line to look pretty right yeah, I mean yeah. Can the play caller be the person behind the scenes that's making the pop star look good is really the one that fixes up her makeup, does her hair, does her, uh, does her clothes. How much is the play caller causing us to say, Ooh, that offensive line looks good. Is that, is that really a big factor? Do you think Adam? Well, it's an interesting point. And it was kind of where I was going to go. Not only can the play calling, I think help with what you have there up front, because basically you play to your strengths and the strengths of your players and you know all that and good coaches do that. Also, was that offensive line any good before Ben Johnson showed up on the scene as offensive coordinator? I mean, you, you have to give him credit for also helping build up that offensive line. Did he draft the guys? No. But did he coach him up? You bet. There was a second there where people thought Penny Sewell was going to be a bust. Like mm. those first couple of weeks after he was drafted and he's managed to get the best out of the dudes that he's had there. And so I do think that that speaks to his coaching a little bit. One of the things that I have questions about with Ben Johnson is those fourth down calls. Would those be Ben Johnson calls in terms of going for or kicking it? We don't know. That's one thing. And then the second thing, 
that uh, intrigues me about Ben Johnson is that I said I wanted pedigree and some of the things that I really liked about coaches. Not so much a pedigree with this guy, but the proof is in the pudding, which I think trumps about everything else. And I kind of love the fact that he's not from this dude's tree, that dude's tree, and just kind of running their thing. This is his thing. This is crap he invented. And so my thought process is, is that when you get the OG of something, then when they struggle down the road, when defenses adjust and things like that to start taking things away, they actually have the answers because it's their freaking invention rather than some guy who's the now the fourth different coordinator for Sean McVay, who's <laughs> Walter, Walter. Yeah, sorry. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but <laughs> maybe doesn't have the intuition to make the proper checks and balances and in and changes throughout a game. So I, those are some things that stood out too. His counterpunch was okay, right? Like I feel like it's tough to say it was great. Like he nailed them when they adjusted to his offense, but I, but I just can't slam him too bad because I feel like he gave his players the chance to do what they should have done, and they came up small. Yes. I mean, the, the bottom, I mean, look, I, I still, I said what I said about Dan Campbell in that first field goal. The players did not execute. And I like, I love the concept of doing, doing what you're going to do on third down, knowing that you might go for it on fourth down because it dramatically changes third down in the way that it lets you run the ball and run the ball and catch him off guard in a third and 12 and still convert. So I love all that. And I, I don't think he, I don't think I'm pretty sure Dan Campbell, obviously making the actual call to go on a fourth down. But like you said, Adam, uh, will that pedigree rub, rub off and he, will he bring that, uh, that offensive uh, aggressiveness? I do think that at least the philosophy of we got four downs to play with once we basically cross uh, you know, our own 45, but then once you get down to the 20, the 25, you kind of get stuck there. Is it time to take points, put points on the board? I guess that'll be a tale. We'll see as Ben Johnson's career evolves, maybe with the commanders, maybe with Seattle. I guess we shall see. Uh, let us get over to the other, the other player here on stage, Mike McDonald, currently still defensive coordinator for the Ravens. Look, Chiefs come out hotter than a pistol. It's the, it's the Swift show. It's, it's the Kelsey show. And they're, they're off and running. And then the game just just buckles down and mires, just as, gets stuck in this kind of gorgeous defensive mire. So, Phil, anything new that you could glean from watching Mike McDonald adjust to what was a Chiefs team that came out super hot? Anything, anything new coming up for you watching McDonald do his thing? I loved how he called the game after the read scripted plays. When the scripted plays went and then McDonald kind of solved the offense and adjusted. I don't feel like the Chiefs were just stopped trying and said, well, I hope the defense wins. Oh. I think they were trying their stuff and everything they tried, it feel like it feel like McDonald had it ready to go. He had the solution on almost every situation after the first two touchdown uh drives. They did get that one field goal. Um the whole second half, what'd they do? Like 60 something yards, six drives for no for no points. And that's against that Obviously, a moving offense, and that's not, and not just them. How about they? How about how they did against the Texans as well? All the games. How about against the Seahawks? Gino and them. Uh, uh, they, he looked pretty good against us as well. Every game that I've watched, which is maybe ten Ravens games this year, uh, before or after, I love the way he calls the game. I love their aggression. I don't know if that's just him. I love the positioning. I love how they're up close. Um, we're we're not giving up deep stuff, but we're also not just 
getting ourselves dink and dunk to death as a Ravens fan. I don't know if it's just the players because, yeah, they have a lot of good players, but I also feel like he's got them in their spots. And I know they we don't want to use the word discipline too perfectly for them because they got a little carried away with the aggression. But mm. when I mean discipline as far as being positionally sound, almost every time I felt like people were where they were supposed to be. I love the way he calls a defense. All right. Mr. Phil is, is a little smitten. And, uh, and I, I share that, that feeling, Adam, anything new that you learned watching this last game or the playoff run with uh, McDonald and the Ravens? Oh, sure. There's some takeaways for sure, Clinton, but what I don't want to take away is your chance to gush a little bit about the McDonald. Come on. Lay, lay it on me, man. Lay yeah, it on I mean, me. I know well, you want to talk about this. I, I do want to talk about this guy. I mean, Phil, Phil did a very good job, so I'm not going to repeat the things Phil said. But the addition I'll add is it's watching them be assignment sound and then tackle. The, ta <laughs> yes! the tackling is so good, so yes. sound. And even when they, even when it's a tough one, they just get a guy by the legs. That guy still goes down. They still get the guy down. Good and players. When, and yeah. yes. And then when they got a gang tackle, they they swarm and gang tackle. So it's that combination of because they talk about like him being very multiple is is a you know fun phrase people throw out there. And all that means is they're really only rushing four, but you have no idea what four are coming at you on any given play. Right? They'll drop. They'll drop defensive tackles back in. They'll bring a corner. It's not a, it's not, it, yes, it's a corner blitz in quotations, but it's still the fourth person. So it's not a blitz package. And then when you do those things, you have to tackle. You got to be super zone disciplined and then tackle. So all that put into a blender, Adam, that's what I love the most. It's like, yes, I like the scheme, but if you could just bring that kind of tackling back to black, back to the uh, Pacific Northwest, I think we'll be in a much better scenario in 2024. How about you, dude? I'll tell you what, you talked about assignment football and the idea that McDonald is so, quote, multiple, meaning they just disguise a bunch of stuff. You never really yeah. know exactly what they're going to yeah. do, which is cool. But when you do that, it's difficult to be sure that players know what the heck it is that they're doing, right. even in that uh, moment. And one of the things that really stands out to me is how quickly the Ravens get to open field guys. Like they are rallying to the football in a hurry in or on dudes in a hurry they're recognizing things quickly and i think that is a credit to mcdonald in terms of making it simple for the player in the moment it's either this or it's that mm -hmm. and our film study has showed us and just go off your cues and fire and he has taken the guesswork out of playing defense for these guys and that's why they're in such great position to tackle when it comes time to tackle, which then makes tackling easier, which means you make more tackles and everything works a lot better. So the idea that they, he has made it clear, the message has obviously been very cohesive, really stands out to me in contrast to the way that it looked like for most of our defensive players when they're out on the field. People pointing and confused and not really yeah. knowing where they're supposed to go and, and all of that. I don't know if it was that Clint Hurt wasn't able to communicate it well, Maybe the guys just, or they didn't learn the learners very well. Whatever it is, Mike McDonald's got that dialed in. Yeah, and he's and he hasn't been there, you know, for a decade. He's been there for a fairly short stint and has that together, right? And and I, I do, I love the point you made. I think it's a really brilliant point about the simplification in the moments. That's like, yeah. okay, I'm going to put you here. Trust, trust that I know where to put you. And then, you know, the, the, your choices. It's like you go to your closet. People say you go to your closet and hey, it's a bunch of uh, black suits every single day. 
one less choice in life like that. That's it. So maybe here we got a Navy suit and a black suit and yeah, see a cue, do the one thing and, and go to, and fly to the ball. So great. Point. Very, very, very good point there. One of my favorite things. It's one thing to watch a rookie who's highly skilled and CJ Stroud step up to the line and have no clue where the rush is coming from, who's going to be open and just look mixed up and befuddled, highly talented. But what am I going to do here? That was Fine. I mean, I was excited to watch the defense there. It's another thing when Patrick Mahomes, who is the best at not getting sacked, the best at finding guys open, he had to throw perfect plays in traffic. And and not only that, Kelsey had to make great catches, not good ones, great catches with guys right there for them to move the ball at all. And by the second half, you watch Mahomes and you look at him and he's trying to be Mr. Cool, but he's not seeing anything. And next thing he knows, right where he's not looking, that's where the rush is coming. And then it's coming. And now how am I going to deal with it? When I see Mahomes have to handle things that way, I can't wait to see what that would do with guys like Brock Purdy. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, you know, yes, I, yes. I mean, it was beautiful to behold in the second half on the defense. Now, every time Lamar got out there, I was frustrated as I'll get out for yeah. how they were calling plays. But uh, boy, that was nice to see uh, the way he calls it with the aggression and the tackling, everything else you guys mentioned. I love how he coaches defense. So let's get to it. I think I know where Mr. Phil's leaning because I could read in those tea leaves. They don't seem too hard to read. But Adam, let's start with you. Your number one choice right now, number one choice for Seahawks head coach. Is it Ben Johnson? Is it Mike McDonald? Is it somebody else still? Who do you who are you taking? It, it it's Ben McDonald. Um, you can kind of give me either. I'd be very happy. There's pros and cons to both the dudes. And, you know, some of the arguments of, well, if you get the offensive guy, you don't have to worry about OCs and all that. And, you know, that makes sense. And and I'm on board. One of the things that I find interesting is, is everybody's like, oh, well, they waited for these two guys. It's going to be one of these two guys. Well, they waited for these two guys to interview them. Yeah. Not to necessarily hire them. It could very well be still Dan Quinn or, you know, go on down the list, right? Like, there's no guarantee it's going I'm gonna, to be I'm going to hold your feet. Mind. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. So no no. Ben McDonald had a home there. One of, All right, I would, your, go with I would go with I would go with McDonald. Uh, yeah. going but, uh, but okay. I wouldn't be sad for one second if they hired Ben Johnson. Not gotcha, sad. gotcha. All right, uh, Mr. Phil, who is your number one choice? Who do you want as our next head coach? What Adam has said, I can't disagree with. And here's why. Because the 50% that matter to me, I have no idea how to find that out. I'm not in those interviews. I don't know who they can call. I don't see their passion and vision to present how they can take our team and cause it to be here for us. All I can base it off is what I've seen. And I love what I've seen from Johnson. And I love what I've seen with McDonald, with those players, with the guys they had. Now, they'll have to find new guys. They'll also have to find someone to handle the other side of the ball, which isn't going to be a cupcake walk around either. Right? So, the things that I need to know, I can't know. And without being Schneider, I can't know for sure. So I'm going to be excited if they get either one of them. Okay, What's going to so, bum me out a little bit is if we don't get one of these guys, because yeah. that'll tell me Schneider was disappointed in the interviews, McDonald or or the one that he wanted decided he wanted the commies, you know, and then and then the one that was left just didn't have the vision, didn't have the resources to, to pull someone. And he's going to settle with Quinn or Vrabel, which could be fine, but not as exciting. So if we get McDonald, yes, I'm going to be thrilled. If we get Johnson, then I'm going to be surprised and thrilled because I think that that means Schneider sold us better than the commies. Cause I think 
the commies think they could get Johnson if they just say you can have it. Yeah. So Clinton, this, this is yours. Clinton, uh, you're still on Dan Quinn then. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am still on Pete Carroll back back in the PNW. So I'll I'll land us here for uh, I I'm pretty definitive on this one. For me, it's Mike McDonald. It has been for several weeks. Not like okay. it's been you know years. But it, but weeks. The biggest thing for me is. Our biggest problem is defense. That is our big, our absolutely number one biggest problem was was yeah. our was our defense. Um, you fix that with with McDonald's who comes in and and does does his job, and I think with the offensive weapons you could find. I think there's good OCs out there. You could find somebody. I'm sure Mike McDonald. I'm sure he has people he knows who could, he could dial up and say you want to come with a a fairly cheap you know team friendly good quarterback DK Lockett JSN. K9, uh, you know, Charbonnet and the rest. And, uh, and we're, we're probably going to take that 16th pick and go, go get ourselves the best guard in, in the draft or a right tackle that, that could swing into guard. I think we'll be okay with OC. I think you solve the biggest challenge first. It is defense. That was atrocious. Go solve that. Go get McDonald. So that's, that's the dude I want for sure. And I will be disappointed if it's anybody, but I'll cheer for them day one, but it will come with a side, a side order of, disappointment so we don't know what john's going to do quite yet i believe we'll probably know maybe by thursday or even friday that we got a new head coach and we'll, or wednesday uh, or even wednesday if that happens we'll be back on with an emergency pod on the seahawkers podcast remember youtube.com slash seahawkers podcast subscribe wherever you got your ears all the platforms you like you subscribe you hit the bell tell 12 12s and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with this as we do have a coronation of our new next head coach. And I think, gentlemen, with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Three for three on McDonald. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.